1: Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum.
0: Hello and welcome to my time capsule. My name's Mike Fenton-Stevens, and my time capsule is the podcast where I ask my guests to tell me the five things from their life that they'd like to put in a time capsule. They pick anything they like from any time in their life, something they treasure, obviously. Well, four things that they treasure, actually, and one thing that they'd rather forget, something they want to bury in the ground and never think of again. My guest in this episode is Matthew Crosby. Now, if you've not heard of Matthew, you will have heard or seen his work. Matthew is a comedian, broadcaster, and highly sought-after TV writer. He works closely with some of the biggest names in comedy, including James Acaster, Noel Fielding, Bradley Walsh, Richard Ayoade, Matt Lucas, Sarah Pascoe, and Harry Hill. He writes for Great British Bake Off, Channel 4's The Last Leg, 8 Out of 10 Cats Does Countdown, BBC's Blankety Blank, Matt Lucas's Reasons to be Cheerful, and The John Bishop Show, among others. And Matthew co-created and still writes for Dave's Hypothetical, alongside Josh Whittacombe, Tom Crane and producer Stu Mather. He wrote and performed the comedy Bad Alts. As well as writing all that television stuff, he adapted Dickens' A Christmas Carol for the stage with Spy Monkey, earning a string of five-star reviews. As a performer, he's appeared in Big Age on Channel 4, The Reluctant Landlord on Sky, Uncle on BBC Three, Ready or Not on BBC One, and As a News Reading Dog on BBC One's Animal Antics. Matthew can be heard every Sunday morning on Radio X, co-hosting The Ed Gamble and Matthew Crosby Show, which stars... Well, I can't remember who's in it. Anyway, it's also available as a podcast. Not that you've got the time to listen to those bloody things. I mean, they go on forever. Finally, Matthew is a founding member of the legendary sketch team, Pappies and host of their award-winning podcast, Pappy's Flatshare, along with Ben Clark and Tom Parry. So let's find out what this very talented and versatile man would like to put in his time capsule. Here is Matthew Crosby. Okay, here we go. We can we can hear each other. That's it. Can you hear me through this? I can beautifully, yeah. Great. Right. It's almost as if we've done this before. Yes. <laughs>
3: <laughs> how are you? I'm
0: very good, thank you. Yeah. Nice to meet you.
3: Nice to meet you. Yeah. Um, it's always nice when these things work out. It's just somebody on Twitter suggesting it and it's weird, isn't here we it? we are how easy it is sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Because actually
0: there are people I know really well who I just don't happen to have their telephone number. Don't think where you go through life and why would you? Yeah. And, yeah, uh, and so I'm not one of those people. We
3: should stress that.
0: No, no, quite. You know, but, <laughs> but I, I send people messages on Twitter saying if you ever want to do the podcast, not a word. So some people, I think, treat Twitter and those sort of things in a different
3: way. Yeah, I mean, I look at my DMs. Yeah, me too. On everything on Instagram, on on Twitter, I, and for the most part, I don't get. You know, it's quite. They're quite nice people. Yeah. It's normally things like this, you know. Yeah, quite. As opposed to people t- telling me what they really think of me. Um. <laughs> I also, as well, I, f- I feel like because you know, I do a podcast as well as everyone does mm. these days. Someone don't need to say it, but yeah, you you'd be surprised the kind of people who are like, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah. Especially during lockdown. Did you start during lockdown? I started just before with the idea
0: that it would oh. be rather nice and I could go around and visit lots of people in their houses. Of course. And of course, that was soon. <laughs> and I think that's what they were planning to stop. I don't think the Chinese were interested in controlling the world. They were
3: thinking, no. we're not having Mike have a good time. No, 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 no. They're keeping your carbon footprint low, though. <laughs> yes, so very low. Yeah. There's, been a, there's been a positive out of it. Um, <laughs> but I did
0: manage to go to a couple of people's houses and, and it was all very nice. And actually, then when lockdown came around, I thought to myself, actually, do you know what? If I'd had to go to everybody's house, that's a day out of your life, really, for me. It how, is, you know.
3: how long would you have kept it up?
0: Well, I think I would have almost certainly not have done as many episodes. Yes, yes. It's much easier to do it this way, of course, because you just sit for an hour and you chat to people. And then I had it over to my son who does the sorting out, makes me sound erudite. The audio wizardry. Yeah, he does oh,
3: all that. So he, does he add in extra words then? Is that what he's doing? He, <laughs> he, of, he <laughs> makes me sound clever. Takes words from other recordings I've done. He's got a sound bank of, 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 of Mike Fenton
0: <laughs> Stevens. Of interesting questions and quotes. That's it, yeah. That's great. But actually it's more to do
3: with cutting me out, That's what, I, which is wise. Well, there was the thing on Twitter recently about... And this is the terrible thing when you do a lot of talking into microphones and just throw it out into the world, is that people do spot your vocal quirks. Mm -hmm. And people have said that you use brilliance too much, apparently. And I don't think you can use brilliance too much. No. I think it's great. And now I'm really aware of it. Are you? Do you go to say it? I go to say it. Or in fact, I
0: have said it inadvertently. And then I listen back and I go, oh, I said brilliant again. But actually, I'm talking about something that I think is Brilliant. So it's, it's difficult, isn't it? I think I say, and this may cause me problems, I think I say wow a lot, which I'm not sure that I said before I started doing podcasts. I didn't say wow to people because, you know, you would go, oh, or or just pull a face. Suddenly you're aware that it needs to be vocal.
3: So I sort of go, wow. I mean, I guess the alternative is that you don't say anything. Or fuck. Or "fuck them Yeah. <laughs> Fuck off! <laughs> Fuck you! I mean, it could yeah, I think Wow is. I mean, who can be? I guess it's just spending a lot of time with a with a person in your ears. You you clock it, but who can be annoyed at Wow? I don't know. Don't be annoyed at people being positive, guys. Come on! <laughs> it was only one. Enjoy person. it. It was
0: one person suddenly decided to give us three stars, and uh, and of course you notice those immediately, don't you? Oh yeah, absolutely. He said, "Really, really love this podcast. Just stop saying
3: brilliant, will you?" And I thought, okay, I think it's- oh. Oh yeah, God! it's one of those things i I've just found myself and it's this is literally in the last two, three weeks, and I know I shouldn't be saying this because it's not in my age bracket, but I've started saying wicked <laughs> and I, like when i was when I was ten. I say wicked all the time because <laughs> I was ten. I was allowed to say wicked, and it was you know 1990 when people were saying wicked. When it was wicked. When it went, when, well, life obviously was wicked in 1990, but yeah. um, but but now I find myself going to say it, and I get the w- <laughs> bit. Of, I'm going to I'm going to switch to wow. I think because once the words out your mouth, I go. I can't. I can't be saying wicked. I'm 43. <laughs> have a sense of decorum.
0: <laughs> I don't think far off that age. I played a character in uh, The Legacy of Reggie Perrin. Oh, yes. It's a great television series until, basically, Reggie Perrin died. So he wasn't in The Legacy of Reggie Perrin. So the whole driving force behind the thing disappeared. Anyway, I played a new character that was introduced. It was a burnt-out yuppie. Okay, okay. So basically, I had a, a, a long grey ponytail. And all I said was, wicked. That was. Do you remember Reggie Perrin? I do remember Reggie Perrin, yeah, yeah, of course. Leonard Rossiter, yeah. And do you remember they had these characters used to say, oh, super, lovely, smashing.
3: That's right, yes, yes.
0: And they added a wicked on the end, which is <laughs> <We're
3: just> right. <laughs> super, <laughs> lovely, smashing, wicked, I used to say at the end of it. <laughs> well, it's easy to learn your lines, isn't it? Very easy, yeah. When it gets to the end of, when everyone stopped talking, I guess just say wicked. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That must have been in the 90s, wasn't it? Yeah, I think Wicked was definitely... I mean, I think I, I'm from Bromley, and obviously Bromley was one of the places where, where jungle music uh, sort of sprung from. Mm. I don't know why. There's no jungles there. <laughs> uh, but, but, but it seemed like a lot of jungle music was being played in, in Bromley in sort of the early 90s. And there was a lot of Wicked there. But I don't know why it's just suddenly crept back in. These things just creep back into your vernacular. Don't they just, yeah. I think it's. I've got little kids... And it's funny how, and I don't know if they're getting this from us or from school, Hmm. but it seems like they're obsessed with groovy. Ah. Groovy seems to be, and I mean, my my daughter's very little. My daughter's uh, three and a half. My other daughter's 18 months and can barely say anything. (laughs) But, you know, do I look groovy? When she puts her sunglasses on, do do I look groovy is what she says. And it must be from us saying, oh, you look groovy. That's my other catchphrase. That's annoying,
0: isn't it? <laughs> Honestly, I've played a character in Only four and Horses. Who's, oh, that's right. Who's yeah, yeah.
3: The Groovy Gang. Would you like a badge? I'll sell it for your daughter. I think she'd love that. Yeah, yeah? yes, please. She could be yeah. a member of the Groovy Gang. She could be a member of the Groovy Gang. She is actually a child, though. She's not a an adult pretending to be a child. No. <laughs> she's, a, she's a genuine child, as I think so. Uh, yeah, probably. That's uh, That's David Bowie. It is, yes,
0: yeah. Yeah, The source of all great music, I think, probably.
3: Absolutely. Well, I live in Beckenham now, which is all... It's all David Bowie country, so he used to live backing onto Beckenham Place Park, Mm -hmm. and there's a little sort of plaque explaining that he would run through the park to kind of escape the fans that would camp outside his house. Wow. If he had to leave and he didn't want they to had just said be, well. be mobbed. There you go. They, said there well. it is. Ah. It's a proper wow. But it's, I think that's a, that's a wow-worthy uh, thing. Isn't it? They've also put the um, the zigzag, the uh, Aladdin Sane forehead zigzag, on the pavement outside ZZ's. Oh, fantastic. I don't know if ZZ's in Beckenham <laughs> was a particular haunt of this. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> of a young Davy Jones, I don't know. But... Um, <laughs> but yeah they've got the Bowie Memorial in the Glades mm-hmm. you know the mural um, yeah a few a few interesting people from Bromley H.G. Wells Richmond Crompton mm-hmm. so you know a few Charles Darwin I think lived here you Dan Schreiber Dan Schreiber of course yeah yeah, yeah I see him in uh, in ZZ's <laughs> quite a lot <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a lovely area. I did my very first serious
0: play at the Beckenham Theatre Centre, which I think has just closed down, hasn't it? I think they're selling it.
3: That's right, yeah. Mm. It was sort of, it wasn't like an amdram.
0: It was, yeah, I was 16. A Christopher Fry play, A Phoenix Too Frequent, yeah. I wasn't very good in it. Obviously, I just stood there and I had to play a Roman centurion. You said wicked at the end of (laughs) a If only, (laughs) it might have livened it up a bit. But I think I probably looked good. I looked good in a Roman centurion's outfit. And I did that thing that uh, (laughs) I'd seen Marlon Brando do. because I thought, oh, it's serious acting. I better do something serious. So I I drew a a sort of a a light line down the centre of my nose. Oh, yeah. Which is supposed to highlight it and also dark eye shadow. And it made me look very brooding. But I think it probably made me look ridiculous.
3: Yeah, Mm. like a glam rocker. Yeah. That's what you do, isn't it? When you first start out, you just borrow from everybody else, and you don't ever think, well, I'll borrow from somebody else who's sort of, you know, a couple of years ahead of me. You think, well, I'll, I'll shoot for the moon. <laughs> I've, I've never really acted before, but I'll go for the greatest method actor <laughs> yep. that ever lived. Oh, God. And presumably it was all just down to a big pencil line down the middle of the nose, it wasn't That's t- all it was. And the review said, I wish you wouldn't mumble so much. <laughs> <laughs> hopeless didn't brando also have his lines you know like when he would perform he'd have his lines like in the audience there'd be someone like in the front row with cue cards for him yeah so did you go for that as well did you sort of go the full (laughs) no although i had the best piece of advice
0: i've ever had i had one rehearsal where the director said okay i'm gonna take my belt off now this sounds as if it's all going wrong immediately yeah i'm gonna take my belt off and i'm gonna put it around you and make your arms stay by your side, because you move your arms too much. That's so right. I was moving my arms on every line. Was That's gesturing. really interesting. And it was absolutely, it turned out to be one of the best pieces of direction I've ever had. How many shows did you do
3: before you were able to lose the belt? <laughs> People are going, so there's a guy over in the corner, he's dressed like a centurion, we know that. He's got a line down the middle of his nose, you can't really explain that. What's that, that about? And, and he's wearing a big belt around
0: his, uh, around his arms. The bondage play with the bloke who mumbles. Yes. What's that about?
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with the Adamant makeup.
0: What's going on?
3: <laughs> yeah, my first sort of theatre experiences were at the Bromley Churchill, right, which yeah. was uh, just just down the road from there. And in fact, now I'm able to take my daughter to see shows at the Bromley Churchill. It's quite exciting. Mm. It's really exciting to be able to sort of say, oh, now you can come and see things. And, you know, hopefully she's going to think the theatre is as groovy as I think it is. Yeah. But yeah, it's exciting. So when I, the first stuff I ever wrote was performed at the studio in the, in the Bromley Churchill. I oh, remember brilliant. thinking, this is, I've done it, I've made it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know. I know. Well, I was brought up in Orpington, so actually I came... From, oh, right. So, yeah, yeah you're... I know it well. Yeah, I went to school in, in uh, Goddington Lane. Yeah, you were at St. Olavs, weren't you? That's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Alongside
3: yeah. Uh, Nish Kumar. if you ever had him on the podcast? I haven't, but, no, um, but I, yes, I knew he was uh, an Olavs boy. Yeah. We used to play rugby against St. Olavs and always get beaten. Oh, I was appalling at rugby. <laughs> Me too. By, by the time they... I don't know if you had this. There was like A-teams and B-teams. Mm-hmm. But for one, I don't know why. Presumably there was just enough to create a C team. Oh, no. So they decided to form a C team. <laughs> and it really was the absolute dregs of the dregs. And mm. I joined the C team. I don't know why. I mean, I was never, I, I hated sports. I was never very adept at it. But I guess they just were, you know, who was willing to come in on a Saturday and yeah. do it? And I'd like to be involved. I just remember the day before, you know friday night in the fish and chip shop with my dad and him just basically trying to explain all the rules of rugby to me because i'd never really paid any attention at all you have got to throat behind you and when you're in the scrum this is how you i think i was the i was the hooker and i had no idea what that was. No. i guess quite an quite an important position well yeah but it's cruel they tend to put in
0: those days they would have put the little kid that was me right in the middle of these two big fat blokes yeah and you would have had to fight for the ball it was not the best position
3: it was a very unpleasant experience all round. Yeah. Did you spend the whole time shouting, handball, handball? <laughs> no, because that would have shown I'd known the rules to another sport, which I don't <laughs> know the rules to any, I literally don't know the rules to any sports. No, they move you over then, don't they? Oh God, he knows yeah. football, okay, quick. Yeah, put him in the D team. <laughs> Not the start of a glorious career. You won't see me at Sports Personality of the Year Awards. <laughs> Not for me. No. No. Well, thank goodness those days are over. We can make our own choices about what we do. Absolutely. It's nice, you know, we two arty boys who weren't very good at rugby. We've we landed on our feet here. Yeah, quite. It's worked out. Yes. And where are those
0: big hulking blokes who used to try and beat us up being rugby? Where are they now? Well, they all work in the city. They're working they in the city. In it.
3: Absolutely. <laughs> They've got a lot more money. None of them are <laughs> if get back at them. They say, you have
0: Beckenham, I can't believe yeah, it. Oh, you stayed in Beckenham, did you? Yeah,
3: I got out of there. Oh, made yes. my money.
0: We're in Hampstead. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's bastards. where they are. That's where they are. <laughs> oh, well, Matt, here we are. So we're going to talk about five things you've chosen to put into a time capsule. That's right. And
3: anything else you want to talk about. Okay. I'm very happy to wander. Well, I, I can tell. I mean, we've been talking for 10 minutes. <laughs> we can tell. Um, should we go for the first one? Do you, want, do you want to hear the first thing? Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. So I am actually taking this, but you, I've already mentioned the 90s. I'm taking it back to the 90s again with um, my first item. Now, I haven't quite got an idea of... Th- this this time capsule, I'm imagining... I don't know why, when I was sort of writing my list, I was imagining that, like, the world has ended. Right, right? yeah. And then these are things I've saved almost for myself. <laughs> so, like, you know, in my bunker, in the time capsule, in my little bunker, I can then go to this time capsule and go, right, Well. Everything in the earth has been destroyed. Oh, that's brilliant! Luckily, I've got this thing that I can take out and enjoy. You're the first
0: person to do that, and, and I, it's interesting, because I don't really explain it terribly well. And actually, uh, most people sort of go, "Okay, so this is for me, and I can just have them now, can I?" So some people view it as a
3: capsule, not a time capsule, right? Yeah, <laughs> just quite. yeah, just a thing to put it, things in, like a cupboard. Just, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> it's not. It's not as exciting an idea, is it? My cupboard. If this was the My Cupboard podcast, I mean, I I would listen to it still, (laughs) but, uh, would you have the listenership? Um, but yeah, the My Cupboard podcast. Yeah. So I I was, I was imagining these are things that not necessarily for the people of the future, Mm. but for the me of the future that's managed to survive the apocalypse. Mm. And, um, I thought a little bit about. Do you remember in in Flash Gordon when Topol gets his brains erased? Yes. Do you remember this this moment? Yeah, and he manages to sort of cheat the system by thinking of Beatles lyrics and little things from his past. You know, it's a bit like when you're, you're you're sort of daydreaming to yourself and you get you go. How did I get to? this thing I'm thinking about, and then you retrace back. Oh, I thought of that, which led to this, which led to this, which led to this. Mm. And um, I think if I was to see this thing, I would immediately, like the rest of my life would be unlocked sort of through it. Certainly all my childhood would be unlocked through this. Right. And it's, it could be one, right, I'm really, I'm, really, I'm really teasing you here. You are. It could be one of- So
0: you've, you think you've almost lost your memory of your past life because the
3: apocalypse was so shocking. Well, this uh, is And the it. radiation yeah. poisoning- And all that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And all all my teeth have fallen out. My skin is grey and Ah. sallow. And I'm crawling around, you know, on my extra limbs that I've grown. (laughs) And I'm thinking, this can't be how life was. And then I'll go back to this thing and I'll take it out and I'll go, oh, yes, Ah. I remember the past. And I'm not going to pick a specific one, but it can be any copy of a music magazine or periodical released between 1990 and 1999. So you could be a melody maker, an enemy, a mm. vox, a select, a cue, <laughs> any of those that was released between that that period. And you basically bought all of them? I had them all. And I, and. and one of my great, you know, I, I'm, I'm a hoarder of things. I love to hang on to things. Mm. And when we last moved house, my wife said, basically, you, you've got boxes of stuff that have moved you know we've been together my wife and i've been together 15 years they've been with you ever since you barely ever look at them <laughs> yes why do you carry box to house to house to house as a result of these boxes you know we've had mice running around the house <laughs> you know like because you've you've put them all in a in a corner and the the mice have made it into a little nest but they're always full of uh, old theatre stubs or uh, programs mm-hmm. or or magazines and um a lot of the magazines i had i, I threw away and i think p- Part of why I hang on to so much stuff now is because I still have a memory. My parents said, basically, you can't keep all your music magazines. You can't keep all your comics. You've just got to get rid of them. And I took them all down to um, just the recycling plants in a car park, a a supermarket car park. And I just chucked them all in away. And at the time, I remember thinking, this is fine. I'm clearing out some space. It's good to unclutter. Mm -hmm. And now, oh, my goodness, what (laughs) I wouldn't give. Honestly. And I I, I I, sometimes, you know, sometimes I look them up on the internet and think, do I start buying them again? Yes, quite. For like a fiver each <laughs> oh. with three quid postage. And you go, Well, you can't do that. No. You can't go down that route. No. Um, because it's not even like, you're, you know, it's not even like somebody who's going, well, I'm going to buy up on my old vinyl. Mm. Even though it it's sort of is, you get the same sort of pleasure from it. But when I was a kid, I would buy every week, I'd get the Melody Maker, I'd get the Enemy. Every month I'd get Vox, Q, Select, I'd get them all. I'd read them cover to cover not wishing to sound like an old man but it was it was a different experience obviously because it was a physical thing yeah that you kind of go well that's the, that's all the music news that's available this week. Yeah, that's all you're going to find out. You, you obviously you can you can listen to Radio One or whatever, and they might tell you a few extra things. But basically, everything that you need to know mm. is in Melody Maker and it's in the enemy. The other thing was you would read about these bands and they seemed incredibly exotic, and you couldn't listen to them. <laughs> no. Well, you could, <laughs> but you had to you you had to either go to a listening post yes. in an HMV and go, oh, have you got this CD? And they go yes, and then you go and listen to it. <laughs> or you'd <laughs> or or you'd have to take a chance and go well. I've loved this interview with them so much. And I heard one single on, on Steve LeMack's show on Radio <laughs> 1, and I'm going to go and buy it. That's 10 quid as well. 10 quid. Ten, yeah, yeah, sometimes 10 pounds, 13 pounds. And and I get my lunch money for school that I'm supposed to be spending on my school dinners, and I wouldn't. And I get my lunch money for the week, and Monday was the day that all the, uh, the records came out. So me and my friends would go into HMV after school and we just wouldn't eat during the, during the week. <laughs> Massive breakfast in the morning, just the biggest breakfast you could have at home. As soon as you got in, enormous, enormous tea. Starve oh, yourself brilliant. all the way through the day. Maybe have like a dairy milk or something just for the energy, to keep the energy up. <laughs> and hence the image of a goth emerged. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. These pale, wan looking kids. We're not miserable because we listen to Nirvana we're miserable because our blood sugar is so low <laughs> <laughs> that's the reason we look like this yep <laughs> but I was I was just obsessed and there was something so exciting about the way that they wrote about music you know they were I mean I, I imagine when I was sort of reading it so at my peak sort of 16 17 that kind of age the journalists were probably only two or three years older than me mm. writing about it so they were kind of they were me and they were so excited about this music and a few years ago maybe 10 years ago when I was on tour with the sketch team, I was, I'm a part of Pappy's. Mm. We were on tour. It was just before The Enemy became a free publication and then basically sort of disappeared. Um, I started buying The Enemy again and reading about these bands. And they, they, st- they still wrote about bands in the same kind of breathless way. <laughs> and so I'd be like, oh, this is great. Music is still really vibrant and exciting. And I would read these articles about these bands. And then obviously... In that moment then get my phone out and open up Spotify and listen to them and go oh right this is who you're so excited about you'll never capture that quite the same excitement you had when you were 16 17 when every band seems I mean you know bands do come along now I'm not you know I don't just listen to music from the the past well I mean I guess all music from the the past but Mm -hmm. you know I don't just listen to music from the 90s (laughs) and back I do find new bands that really excite me but they're fewer and further between. Yeah. When I when I was a you know when you're sixteen 16, 17, I think this is true of so many people. Every week you're discovering something brand new, and it doesn't have to be a brand new it, brand new to you. It could be. Yeah, absolutely. Because you, know, you also don't you don't know about any you know you get into Franz Ferdinand and someone says oh you know Franz Ferdinand are just doing the Talking Heads and you listen to the Talking Heads. That's kind of <laughs> you know that you go back that way and that sort of thing. So, I actually um,
0: saw two kids. I went on a bus with my grandson the other week and there were two schoolboys sitting in front of me and they were doing that thing I didn't think kids did anymore where they share a headphone. Oh, wow, so you have yeah. have half each. I know. And the other one said to him, what is it? And he said, they're called The Beatles. No. Yeah, really. And I thought, no. oh, I wish I'd filmed that. <laughs>
3: If you put that in a film... You wouldn't believe it, would you? You'd go like, That's Richard on. Curtis going back. It? It. That really is, isn't it? That's really hokey territory. <laughs> I wonder what song they were into. Because yeah. that's the thing as well. You've got, as a parent, you walk a real precarious line of musical education, but also not being like, this is the stuff that my sad old dad listens to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm never going to listen to that. I mean, I grew up in a household where there was lots of music. I loved listening to my parents' records. But I think they never sort of said, you have to listen to the Beatles. Yeah. This is Abbey Road. It's really important. <laughs> they just sort of went, I could just see it was important to them. Yeah. And therefore, but like, yeah, my daughter now, that's, that's been her kind of entry point into listening to stuff that isn't uh, Mr. Tumble's nursery rhymes <laughs> is, um, is the Beatles. And it's really strange how some songs she goes, yes, absolutely. hundred percent. She loves Obladee Oblada, which I know is, Possibly the least popular Beatles song of all time. (laughs) But I loved that as a kid, so I've got a real soft spot for it.
0: Yeah, but that's also, that's a great transition from Mr. Tumble's nursery
3: rhymes. Well, so many of Paul's songs, you know, like (laughs) John called them granny music, didn't he? And it is, but it's not just granny music, it's kids music. A lot of those songs do sound like kids songs. Mm. You know, When I'm 64 and and even Lovely Rita, he had that real, Penny Lane. These are bouncy, catchy songs Mm. That you can hear immediately, and when I was playing Penny Lane, my daughter could sing it. A couple of days, oh my goodness, what was the what was the song she sang me? She said, "I want to sing you a song." Oh my goodness, and it was um oh yeah, it's it's um close your eyes and I'll kiss you tomorrow. I'll miss you, uh, oh my loving, and oh my I, I said, "Where have you heard that?" And she said, "Oh, you you played it in the car on the way to swimming, and swimming was three weeks ago." So she'd heard it three weeks ago once and then was word perfect on it three weeks later. I got that's I the... And f- stuck. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people would go, my child's bright. I'm going, that's the power of the Beatles. <laughs> but it's a kind of, it's, it's, you know, it's a 50-50 split. Yeah. But that's it. You don't want to be the parent who goes, listen to this, because this is really great. And then, you know. no.
0: But it's great though, isn't it? That thing with the Beatles where my favourite example of it is... The John Lennon putting the barb in that element of the Beatles, yeah. and my favourite is um, "I have to admit, it's getting better, it's getting better all the time. Can't get
3: much worse." worse, worse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's it. That's why they were so brilliant together. Absolutely, because Paul was the cheery, chirpy. Come on, let's do this. <laughs> Come on, guys, let's let's stay together. Let's <laughs> let's write some songs. Let's tour again. Let's just not tell people and turn up in pubs and play.
0: Fuck off, Paul. Yeah. That's what they that. did at the end, wasn't
3: it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, and um, and that's kind of what, basically what Paul does now, isn't it? You know, the day before Glastonbury, mm-hmm. showing up in a little pub and going, here's the set I'm going to do at Glastonbury tomorrow. Yeah. You know. I wonder if anyone will recognise me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But I think, uh, while we've been chatting, I've been looking on eBay. And amazingly, I've I've found, some bloke here says that in the late 90s, he found in a recycling place...
3: My old stash.
0: An enormous pile of... Oh, (laughs) no. Name your price. uh, i do it. It says, um, starting bids... 10 grand yeah
3: right <laughs> yeah yeah. I do have two little kids come on be lenient <laughs> oh I, I mean if I'd, only I'd love it but but sometimes occasionally now people will I follow a lot of Twitter accounts that are like sort of you know Britpop memories and those those kind of accounts and occasionally they'll post like this is the singles page from the enemy from 1997 mm. and I some of the singles I really really remember and I own some of them I've got no memory of at all but I just I lose myself in those pages mm. and uh uh, I actually got to, I got to write for the enemy right. once. I got to review the singles and um, I realized it's, I, I don't have it in me. Uh, I don't have it because I think, I don't know if you've ever been asked to be a critic, but if you're a creative, it's quite a hard thing to do because you know the process Yeah, to get anything from not existing to existing. Mm-hmm. is such a tricky process that I can't bring myself to, I couldn't I was I was nice about every single I said yeah. oh well done well done these guys you know uh, one of them was that was Marcus Collins's single who was the uh, an X Factor runner-up and I was going yeah this is great and they were going <laughs> well with the enemy we can't say yeah this is great I was like yeah oh but come on he's just a kid he's you know he's 17 yeah he's got a nice voice he's doing all right oh no yeah you know you don't want to th- that's exactly how I'd be yeah. yeah and and a friend of mine uh was working for the enemy at the time and I you know I had a sort of very small level of profile so he was like well you can be the you can be the guest Singles reviewer, so excited. I was on holiday. I was on, I was on holiday in Bali, and I said to my wife, "This opportunity's come in. I'm just going to take an afternoon off and listen to a bunch of songs, and you go and enjoy the beach." And, and then, it, and and then it was really like it was. They kept sending them back, going, "No, no, you've got to be mean or You've got to be crueler." I was like, oh, "I don't. I just don't. I don't have. I don't want to do that." I was. I was slightly mean about a um oh i don't even know i won't even name the person no don't no and it wasn't like it was it was it was a, it was as bad as john lennon's couldn't get much worse right it was like it was that it wasn't it wasn't me being cruel it was just a little sort of sideswipe. Mm. you know a little sort of humorous sideswipe i'd made about uh something that sh- and now she is somebody that i i i interact with because oh. people read their reviews yeah you know it's the it's the enemy People get the enemy and go, oh, who's this guy who's reviewed? And, you know, I, I remember the names of people who reviewed me badly. <laughs> so some one day I'm going to walk into a pub in Soho or something and Marcus Collins from X Factor is going to come up to me and slap me around the face and quite right too. I deserve, I deserve that pint in my mush,
0: Marcus. And you can say, it's not my fault. It's the editor of the NME who also wrote that three-star review for Mike because he hates the word brilliant. <laughs>
3: He can't stand the word "brilliant." <laughs> if you went rubbish all the time, he'd love it. He would absolutely that. love it. Five stars. That's the
0: five stars. Yes. <laughs> all right. Well. Okay. That's the first thing that's going to get you surviving
3: after the apocalypse. I hope there's some food in there. Well. Okay. So what's next? The ne- the next thing is actually is a is a beverage. So uh-huh. It's not food. No. But uh, it's some sort of sustenance, mm. and it's decaf coffee. It's instant decaf coffee. Okay, yes. Now, when I tell people that I drink decaf coffee, it's not always the most popular, you know, people seem to take it as an affront to them. (laughs) The coffee drinkers, the caffeinated people. I never really drink caffeinated coffee. I sort of gave it up about five years ago and I've never looked back. For any reason, was it making you feel unwell? It was making me feel incredibly anxious, but I didn't realise that's what it was. Right, yeah. And also, as well, I was sort of, I was getting quite reliant on it. Mm. <laughs> you know, this isn't a, this is like a, you know, a confessional to the Daily Star. You know, my <laughs> my caffeinated hell. <laughs> but I was, I couldn't wake up in the morning without a cup of coffee, and then it would get to about eleven o'clock, and I think, why do I feel suicidal? I've got a really nice life, but I've just felt awful. So I, I realised I'd just cut that out. Mm. Um, I guess because it was easier then cutting out drinking a glass of wine every night. Right. You know, so it's not like I'm, a, I'm not like a little uh, angel. I'm not like a little choir boy, but that was the thing that I thought I'm going to get rid of that. No, I just, I, I switched to decaf coffee and, um, I was at, uh, I was at Glastonbury a few years ago, 2017, and my wife and I, we'd had a lovely time at Glastonbury and we were walking home. It was about two in the morning. We'd seen everything that you could see. And we were like, because she's also a decaf drinker. She drinks caffeinated as well, but she, you know, mm. switches in the middle of the day. And we thought, shall we, uh, we go and get a lovely decaf coffee to take, <laughs> to take home with us as we're strolling back to the tents? And we went to the coffee tent and uh, I said, oh, do you do decaf coffee? And the guys went, we do coffee. and I thought oh yeah decaf coffee especially instant instant coffee that I drink Mm. it's decaf coffee it's black decaf coffee it's not even got any milk in it it's just granules and it's hot water and it doesn't really taste of anything no it's kind of the most pointless drink but I think
0: (laughs) I think you'd feel silly wouldn't you just a cup of hot water
3: well, that's what my wife drinks. Uh, her sort of key drink Well, then I'm is, sorry,
0: you wouldn't feel silly. You'd, you'd obviously is, make <laughs> complete
3: sense. It's half hot, half cold. But, I mean, <laughs> what, what a household we're painting ourselves to be. That's her favourite. She's like, oh, half hot, half cold. Can I have a half hot, half cold, please? And it's half, you know, got, you can work out the recipe from there. But, um, <laughs> but, but yeah, so it's me with my decaf coffee and her with her half hot, half cold. But, um, you know, I had an awful week giving it up. And it's been brilliant ever since. And I do occasionally drink like a Diet Coke or something. So it's not like i am completely got rid of caffeine. Mm. You know, I'll have an espresso martini if I'm out and about. Yeah. Although that can lead to, you know, that's that. I don't know. Have you, have you ever, have you, are you an espresso martini drinker? Have you ever? I've had them. I'm not really that interested. No. I'd rather just have martini. A martini. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't need a cup of coffee to go with that martini. No, I'll have a coffee later. That's the thing I, I sort of forget is that, you know, I, I was at a wedding, Ed Gamble's wedding uh, a couple of years ago, and um, there were espresso martinis and, you know, people were doing rounds of espresso martinis. Mm. And I I had four, possibly five in quick succession. <laughs> and I had to leave the wedding for a bit and go and lie under a hedge because I was... Um, <laughs> but you couldn't sleep. I was having... No, no, no. I was having, an, I was having a heart attack. And uh. I was like, oh, yeah, if someone said to you, do you want to drink five cups of coffee now you'd say absolutely not but Mm. for some reason stick a bit of vodka in there and yeah chops away (laughs) so yeah so i've got to be careful with that sort of thing but i'm not completely anti-caffeine but yeah i love it and i i I also i love the simplicity of it the Mm. thing i find a little galling is that it's the same price as a coffee in a coffee shop do you know i was going to ask is it more because they've got to take the caffeine out Sometimes it's more. Sometimes it's thirty p more. But right. in my in my coffee shop down my road, it's the same price. So it means that you know I think it's three pounds for a large, and you go, come on, <laughs> come on, what are you paying for here? It's
0: just brown granules. <laughs> You're
3: paying for brown water. <laughs> <laughs> it's just there's n- but I, but I, I really love it. I don't know why. I used to be like a you know I used to drink lattes like big you know triple shot lattes, loads of milk, loads of coffee, Mm. got rid of the milk, got rid of the coffee. And I've never looked back. I love it. I find it. I find it great. And I I, I don't care that people think it's a pathetic, useless man's drink. No, We've had an apocalypse, guys. We just lived through an apocalypse. (laughs) Allow me my pleasures. That's why you've survived. The the rest of them, they're gone. Oh, absolutely. They're all the coffee drinkers. That's what it is all the coffee was decimated, and Mm. they wake up in the mornings with dreadful headaches. Absolutely, all feeling suicidal. All cranky, all suicidal, exactly, yeah. (laughs) I've become the master race now. I'm going to lead the revolution against the uh, alien creatures who created the apocalypse in the first place, or the robots. (laughs) Well, I
0: can understand this attitude because I I recently gave up alcohol. Oh, did you? How are you finding it? Mm, uh, Well, when I say I've given it up, I do occasionally have a drop.
3: Ah, okay. So you haven't given it up? <laughs>
0: no, I haven't really given up. No. I recently haven't given up alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> it's the I lied, but in the sense that you've cut down. A man who drank a lot. Mm-hmm. I've gone to a person who very, very occasionally has. When I say occasionally, I, I have some friends who drink beer on a Tuesday night, and I go and drink with them. Now I drink non-alcoholic beer. Right. Yeah. And actually, non-alcoholic beer now really does taste like beer, and it tastes it tastes better than some beer, I think. So they said, "Well, try this one." So I tried the
3: alcoholic beer and i didn't like it really you've trained mm. yourself out of it i think i may have done yeah well the, the thing about the decaf coffee is occasionally someone won't hear you say decaf and they'll serve you a coffee and you won't know right until it's like being spiked i won't know until after i finished it and i'll be sat on the train going why is my heart beating out of my chest? And I go, yeah. Oh yeah, because I've I've accidentally drunk a drunk a decaf coffee. And a, I guess the same thing is true. I, a, a friend of mine, actually, a friend of mine was drinking Bex Blue mm. all night without realizing he was drinking Bex Blue. Uh, it was at a rap party, <laughs> and we we're all you know we we're all drunk. It was you know end of a series, all having a lovely time. And he said, Oh, I'm I'm absolutely battered. I said, Oh, how come you're battered? You're drinking Bex Blue. And he said, oh, I thought that was just the gluten free one. I said, No, no, that's alcohol free. And he's like, Oh, right. <laughs> Well, not only am I not drunk, but I've had a load of gluten as well. So uh, <laughs> that's probably why I feel so awful. It's um, yes, quite. But I think there is, because I've also done that as well. You know, I do drink, but I sometimes, you know, you just don't feel up to it. And you think, oh, I'll just stick to the lucky saints. Mm. It can be great. I think also I walk away from this thing on a Tuesday night quite often feeling a bit drunk. Yeah. Because I've been through the process. This is it. There's a sort of sort of psychosomatic feeling of being around other drunk people, you know, I think seeing their inhibitions relax a little bit it allows, it allows you to do the same thing. Mm. And crucially as well, you remember everything they've done, you remember everything they've said, they yeah. maybe don't as well. so <laughs> you've always got that little bit on them.
0: Very good, I know. We had a conversation. the other this shows the level of conversation at these meetings. Uh, we had a conversation about the fact that I don't know if you knew this, but all pure breed French dogs in France. Are called after the same letter for a whole year. So every year the letter changes. But this year the letter is U. So all pure breed French dogs. Have to be called something beginning with you. So we then discuss the
3: possibilities of the names. And are they going through it alphabetically? Is there a year when it's X, so it's going to be a lot of Xavier's out there? You know, a lot of Xavier's. What's
2: the weird? I'm I'm
3: trying to think of you. I'm trying to think of you names. Ursula. Yeah, we had Ursula. Doesn't feel like a dog's name, does it? No, Ulrika. Ulrika. Yeah, I mean, do you want to be standing in a park at dusk, screaming Ulrika? <laughs> sort of, you know. Only if she's
0: there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Ulysses. Though that's not a bad. Oh name for a dog. yes,
3: yes, Ulysses. <laughs> that's you. Really wanted to be a Chihuahua, though, don't you? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's got to be absolutely, absolutely tiny, a little yappy dog. Ulysses, Ulysses comes out from behind the tree. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, look,
0: we've had so we've had rock and roll, and now we've had drugs. We've had drugs, yes, yeah.
3: Marvelous. Are we going to have sex next? Oh, well, no. I'm waiting. To... No, okay. We're not. We're not. No. We're going to have almost quite almost the opposite. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, if you subscribe to Acast Plus, this isn't happening because you get this podcast without adverts. For the rest of us, here are those ads.
1: Enjoy. Small details are big surfaces.
0: Welcome back. That's the ad's done for now, so let's return to my time capsule and discover what else Matthew Crosby would like to
3: put in his time capsule now i'm just I'm imagining this time capsule we sort of i guess the the size of the time capsule has to kind of fluctuate a little bit, mm. but um, this is a, a big supermarket after nine p m oh. There's something I really love about about doing the big shop late in the evening, <laughs> yes i don't know why it is there's something about it being it being dark outside but that kind of weird eternal daylight that you get inside a shopping center i'm a big fan I, I, i'm I'm generally a big fan of supermarkets and shopping centers and i don't buy a lot of stuff i don't really i'm not a very sort of materialistic person but i'm lo- very excited by the kind of being around commerce i guess i just when i used to work a lot at television center I'd always go to the the, the Westfield. Mm. You know, if I if I could get in a little bit early, I'd go and do an hour in the Westfield, just wandering around. <laughs> and I'm a big fan of the. You know, they um, they call it the Gruen transfer, which is the the idea that shopping centres are designed in such a way. It's named after Mr. Gruen. I'm not sure his first name, but he, he created this concept mm. that they're designed in such a way... You know, if you're going around Westfield and you go, oh, I know where, where John Lewis is. It's just around the corner. And then you turn around the corner and there's Boots. And you go, <laughs> oh, if Boots is here, then where's John Lewis? And it's behind you. That's the Gruen transfer. They're built in such a way as to deliberately disorientate you to make you make impulse purchases. Mm. It's the same reason why the uh, supermarkets move the eggs around all the time. Yeah, It's because you think you're walking towards John Lewis to buy the jumper that you know you've got to buy. And then you, you show up to Boots and you go, ah, well, now I'm at Boots. <laughs> I should probably get some Calpol for the kids. Yeah. But yeah, we always need Calpol. Let's get some Calpol for the kids. I'll go in there. I'll get some face wash, that kind of stuff. You go and do your shopping in there. Then you wander out <laughs> and you go, oh, actually, there's WH Smith. I'll go and get a new notepad or whatever. And so it, it, it it's deliberately <laughs> designed in a way to disorientate you. And John Lewis is furious because by the time you get there, you run out of money. <laughs> is that, that's
1: it, yeah. And nobody and ever buys anything.
0: They've just got carrying loads of shopping bags with W.H. Smith and boots.
3: It's ridiculous. The truth is there is no John Lewis. John Lewis is a patsy. <laughs> there, was no, there was never a John Lewis in this shopping centre anyway. It's just the promise of John Lewis. The arrows pointing in different directions that all say John Lewis. We're always trying to find the John Lewis. They end up in Five Guys. But yeah. I love that feeling. And I, I, there's something about, it's something about like, if we finished our dinner, And then uh, my wife, Charlie, says, oh, by the way, we need to get nappies tomorrow. Mm. I go, we could get nappies tomorrow. (laughs) Or I could get in the car right now and drive to the 24-hour Tesco and I could have a little wander around there and I could get the nappies. But also, I also just love... You know, like all human life is there in a supermarket after 9pm. It feels like, you know, during the day, you kind of get people's story. Their story is kind of very clear. Mm. Oh, you're pushing your kid around. You're a parent. You're on maternity leave. You're on paternity leave. I see what you're about. I know why you're here. You guys are students because there's three of you and you're all, you know, looking at a list and stuff like, you know, I kind of get that. In the evening, there's no dress code, people are in their pajamas. It's, you know, there'll be two people together, and you're like, How do you two know each other? Why are you both shopping here at the same time? I love it. Mm. I love walking around and seeing all these people and hope they're doing the same about me, you know? Yeah. Who's this guy? Do you get old people? Yeah. It doesn't strike me as a thing that old people would do. It's quieter. So you do get old people. I guess there must be people who are like, well, I'll get there. Also as well, there's often a mad rush on the discounted foods. It's the end of the day, <laughs> of course, yeah. you know, so there's the, 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 the yellow labels come out in force. If you're willing to, <laughs> if you're willing to show up at night, you know, 9 p.m. I guess it's the equivalent to like when you used to buy uh, gig tickets and people would like queue around the block for that. Yes. You see people all sort of checking their watches going, Well it's nine thirty. Any second now the guy with the label is gonna come out and all this meat's gonna be half priced. And it's gonna be followed by a crowd of
0: people fighting for it. I know.
3: Yeah, yeah. And you also see people who are you, you go, What what is it you're what are you prepping for? What are you you ever see this when people go into a, a shop and they take the not just the a, a tin, but the cardboard tray? Yeah. All of those straight in the trolley. I need this many tin tomatoes. That's I need all of those. I mean, maybe that's a hangover from, from lockdown. I don't know. Or some people, maybe some people just shop once a
0: month. Yeah, that's true. But how many cupboards have they got? Well, this this is it. I mean, I guess. It's a shame because I could have had them on my cupboard, my next podcast. Yeah, <laughs> you're on your spin-off podcast. Yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> my cupboard. Um, how many cupboards do you have? That's the first question. It has to be. <laughs>
0: how many cupboards do you have? A garage. I think that's what they've got.
3: That's it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I mean, unless they are pr- like proper preppers, mm. you know, when I, when, when lockdown happened, when the first lockdown happened, that became the, the thing of, I, I loved it because I sort of hate food waste. And so it really was like every mealtime when you couldn't get to the shops, mm. every mealtime was like ready, steady cook. You're going, well, what have I got? <laughs> yeah. You know, these old dried lentils, what can we do with these? What can I turn these into? and the thing i realized i was really missing that i cooked so many different meals with was chopped tomatoes mm. so i went on to like i couldn't book a delivery from tesco so i went on to ebay and i uh, bought a slab of chopped tomatoes like a like a tray yeah. you know the cardboard tray with all the tins in and i bought a slab of chickpeas and i, I i'm not going to tell you how much i paid for them but it was way more than they were worth yeah. but it was just because i was like i need the you know this is going to help me out with the rest of the things that are in, currently in the kitchen i need i don't know why i didn't put a slab of i've realized now my mistake of not putting a slab of tomatoes oh i suppose i have put a supermarket so i've got all my food Sorted. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can have any of those.
0: Yeah, uh, it's better than me. I basically got onto uh, eBay or Amazon and and ordered enormous
3: quantities of Haribo. Did you? That was what got mm. you through. Yeah, got me through and got me fat. Yeah. yeah, I mean, well, that's that's the other thing as well was just like wine. I was a member of a few different like wine clubs and mm-hmm. I really just for some <laughs> reason they were, I don't know why they were still delivering when you know you couldn't get tin tomatoes but you <laughs> no. could get wine. Any time you like. Yes. Yeah, but yeah, I just, I, I, I there's something about it. Whenever I, I watch an American, like an American movie, and there's sort of, there's often a scene in like a sort of grocery store late at night with those sort of mm. strip lighting. It always looks kind of impossibly romantic. I think as well, it sort of it, it reminds me a little bit of America. The idea of 24-hour shopping. Mm. It's only come in reasonably recently. It's not something that used, you, you know, if you wanted to buy, you know, a, a jar of decaf coffee after 9 p.m., wasn't really anywhere you could. Could go possibly in off licence maybe. No, and those
0: huge supermarkets as well—the ones that have everything. I mean, only ever really experienced that in France years ago. Yes, they've had them for a long time, and now suddenly they're here.
3: The sort of hypermarché, yeah, yeah, yeah. fantastic. Yeah. I love them. Well, the, the, there was—we were, were filming uh, the last leg uh, for Channel Four and right for Josh, mm. and um, it was the end of the series. And we walked over the road from Elstree to the enormous Tesco in there. And Mm. that's a really big Tesco. It's got like a sort of, you can buy barbecues and microwave ovens. And it's really, you know, it's got like a sort of homeware section. It's really amazing. So we were just wandering around because we're essentially like Josh and and, uh, Tom, the other writer. We're all quite similar. We're all like, just like being around the shops, Mm. looking around, you know, (laughs) and uh, we walked down an aisle. And um, we saw uh, Breville sandwich toasters. And I was like, oh, I loved my Breville sandwich toaster. And Josh was like, well, it's the end of the series. It's £30. Would you like that as a gift? And I was like, yeah, great. <laughs> so now I've, you know, the series finished a fortnight ago. And I think I've had 37 cheese toasties since then. Because, <laughs> but I, lo- I, I, I love that, you know, again, it's that thing of you wander in thinking, oh, we'll buy some lunch or whatever, or we'll get a coffee. Hmm. But, but you go down this aisle and go, ooh, I didn't realise I needed this. Actually, I was, <laughs> it's the yeah. fun of being in a
0: different town, isn't it? It's the fun of touring, I was yeah. say, because they will have – see, I don't have a Waitrose in the town that I live in, so I like to wander around Waitrose. But also, I've hardly ever been in an Asda in my life. And the other week I found myself right next to – staying in a hotel right next to the most enormous Asda I've ever seen. Oh. And I wandered around it for about three hours.
3: A big Asda's great. You can really lose yourself in a big Asda. <laughs> They're fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Asda, Morrison's, like our, our, our locals are the big Tesco. There's a there's a big-ish Sainsbury's and there's a, a, you know, a few little metros and extras and those kind of things. And and a Waitrose, but um, I don't yeah. go to Waitrose all, all that often. It's a little bit further afield and it's, a, you know, obviously it's a bit more expensive. Isn't it? It my parents isn't. My parents are Waitrose people. They take, oh, my, right. they take my daughters to Waitrose Cafe every week. Um, in fact... <laughs> This was my 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 daughter was off nursery and so I had her for the day. I, I I wasn't working and so I said, Oh, should we go to the Waitrose Cafe? And she said, Yeah, you know, I love it, the Waitrose Cafe. And <laughs> it was so funny to see her in a habitat where she is very familiar with it and I'm not. Yeah. Three and a half, she's walking around, she's explaining to me how it works. She goes, Oh, so you go up to the counter up here and this is what you know that's all the stuff you can buy. And then she turned to me and she said, and this place does the best cheese sandwich in town. I was like, <laughs> in town? Where else have you been? You have cheese sandwiches at home or there. That's the only two other places you have cheese sandwiches. Of I mean, course. we had the cheese sandwiches. They were very good. But I love the fact she's like, this is the, listen, I'll, I'll show you. It was very, kind of, you know, very good, fellas. You know, there's a, a separate entrance that we use. You, you know, you won't know, waving to all the staff. Well, your parents are better grandparents than me because
0: all my grandchildren have been taught the joys of a greasy spoon.
3: Oh, that's great. I think they're probably a little bit young to enjoy that just yet. How old are your grandkids? Uh, between 10 and 5. Yes. Ah, okay. Right. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. You know what? Not far off the greasy spoon. They just, mm-hmm. I mean, they just kids are very fussy eaters. Even, like, the, the, the thing I find, which is mad about having kids, is that you have to try and convince them to eat the stuff that if you ate it, you'd be feeling guilty. You're like, please eat your fish fingers. Please eat your macaroni cheese. Finish your chips. Yes. <laughs> yeah, finish your chips, exactly. You can't get down from the table. You can't have a, a, a chocolate custard until you've eaten your bird's eye potato waffle. And it's like, that would be my, my my dream meal to have that. The other thing I'm terrible at as well is that I do end up eating way more. Since I've had kids, I have I basically have dinner with them, mm. which will be a load, you know, if I if I'm doing fish fingers for them. I think Sylvie will probably eat one fish finger at a push. Cleo might eat two. I'll do seven fish fingers. Because <laughs> I, I know, <laughs> I know. Just, just in case one of them goes, oh, I really want an extra fish finger, I really need an extra fish finger. They won't, they never do. No. And then I, I just go, well... And if they
0: ever do, you'll say, too late, I've eaten them. <laughs>
3: too late, I've had them. I've had them. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: yes, well, I think you should make friends with the people in the supermarket who buy those big tranches of foods, because clearly they know when the apocalypse is coming. They're prepping. They're the ones who are going to be there with you. They're doomsday preppers. They're in the other capsules, you see.
3: Because, yeah, they're buying the, the tinned food. They're often buying 700 bottles of bottled water. They know something's coming.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thank God you're not in
3: America. it be an AK-47. Oh, that's, that's it. Yeah, that's the, that is the insane thing as well, isn't it? That, like, you know, you go to the big supermarkets. What's the Target? Is it called Target? Mm. That feels a bit on the nose of a place <laughs> that also sells guns. That can't be right. What's the No, Walmart. It's Walmart is Walmart, the one I'm thinking of. Yeah. Walmart is the one. The only reason I know about Walmart or the reason the first time I heard about Walmart is because that would always be the place that would ban an album. Walmart have banned this album. You like, well. I'm getting that album. If Walmart have banned it, then I'm getting it. You know. Yeah. I think that was the first time I was like, oh, I'm going to listen to Guns and Roses. Walmart have banned them. How ironic! Guns and Roses. Well, they just know, banned yeah. the roses. You can buy guns and roses at Walmart, but you can't buy Guns and Roses. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so there we are.
0: In goes a lovely supermarket into the time capsule for you. So what else have we got? We've got two
3: left. Okay, so it's a good thing and a bad thing. Mm. Let's stick with the positive. And um, I'm going to go for – you know what? Actually, it, it reminded me of, of you talking about hanging out with your friends. Now, I don't know how long you've known your friends who drink beer. Long time. Yeah, Long time. Yeah, I can imagine. And uh, I have this little a little gang of people that I go for a curry with. It used to be about three or four times a year. It's now about twice a year. Mm. I'd love it to be more, but you know, life. And it's the guys I did my first ever Edinburgh Festival show with. We did a show called The Comedy Bucket because basically when we, we tried to get into all the, the big shows like there was the comedy zone that was avalon's thing at the in, the, the pleasance uh the comedy reserve that was the Pleasants' own show mm-hmm. and we didn't get into any of them so we all sort of got together and went well we'll call ourselves the comedy bucket and we'll do our own show <laughs> on the free fringe we did this in 2006 and it was uh, joe wilkinson who i know you had on the podcast mm it was a guy called Alistair Green yeah. who I don't know if you know his videos. Absolutely fantastic Yeah, I love his stuff. Brilliant it was him uh, a fellow called uh, John Gordon who performed under the equally showbiz name of Dave Nichols um, <laughs> and uh, he doesn't do it anymore he's now a pensions lawyer so <laughs> you might know him <laughs> but, uh, Handy. but uh, I'll take his number from you. A good yeah. person to know yeah and, and uh, Arnob Chander as well I don't know if you've ever encountered Arnob yes there was the, uh, the five of us we did this Great. show The Comedy Bucket and it would be uh, every day at 3 p.m. at the Meadows Bar uh, in 2006. Now, there was five of us, and we had to fill an hour. Mm. And occasionally, one of us wouldn't be able to do it. They'd have to go and do an interview with Fresh Air Radio. And we would <laughs> panic. <laughs> uh, we would get so up. We'd be like, oh, that means we all have to do an extra two minutes each. How are we going to do that? So we ended up bringing in other people. We'd, we'd go, can anyone else help us out? We're all... We're all doing sort of 10, 12 minutes. If we had to do 15 minutes each or whatever, we we couldn't do it.
0: So it was a series of individual performances, was
3: it? Yeah, it was. The the way we did it was one of us each day would compare, um, usually myself or John, and then we'd all do sets, mm. yeah. And bizarrely, we just—I don't know why—we couldn't go. Well, well, just do a bit more crowd work. <laughs> just pat, pat, pat. no, we'd just, we just our heads would go completely. <laughs> no, it can't be done. It can't <laughs> be. You know, we'd always have to get in, get in other people. <laughs> There's only one man who can do that. That's Dara O'Brien. Nobody else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. If we got Dara to fill in for us, we wouldn't need to do. You yeah, know, we'd love it because he the would hour. do. He'd do 50 <laughs> minutes at the top. We would come on and wave to the audience, and then leave. <laughs> Was that the first place you compared? Um, Well, I'd I'd done some comparing prior to that in, you know, around the London circuit and I'd run Mm. my own gigs. And that's sort of where I'd met those guys. We're all just people we met on the circuit and liked each other. I
0: rather foolishly, looking at the internet the other day, thought, oh my God, he's got his own venue. But I realised you were performing at Matthew's Yard. Oh, that's right.
3: Yeah, yeah. I thought, oh, that's classy. He's doing all right, isn't he? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Just the name of the place. Okay.
3: If I did have my own venue, you know, like Andy Williams has the Andy Williams Theatre. I think mm-hmm. I would set it up in Croydon. I think it's a great place to, you know. Yeah. I've got a lot of links to Croydon. My nan used to live there. It's always on the up and up. More and more people are moving there. I think it's <laughs> it's about time. I might talk to the people at Matthew's Yard and say whether or not, you know are you, are you happy running this place do you want me to take over <laughs> I'll put my name on it like Victor Kayam yeah. um but yeah yeah I, I I used to MC a lot of gigs I really enjoyed that I think it's because I, I liked writing jokes but I had a lot more fun just messing around with people on stage it was always mm. the most fun thing to do but we all had the same sort of like we all had a sort of similar sort of attitude the five of us in that we were I look at comedians now and they're all very good at kind of promoting themselves and saying how I, 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 and i mean i th- i see this as, as a real positive on their part mm-hmm. yeah everybody's very front foot they're very good at going look you know book me for this thing i'll be great we were sort of weirdly all kind of <laughs> none of us really wanted to put ourselves forward for anything
0: <laughs> well the fact that you would not forced yourself into any of the other sort of legit shows as it were
3: yeah i mean we tried we tried that we, we auditioned yeah. but it did, didn't go our way <laughs> but ever since then we've met up and actually we realised because originally it was going to be like we'd perform little skits together and stuff and we'd get together in, in the pub in the run up you know in June, July in the run up to Edinburgh 2006 and we'd we'd have a few drinks and then we'd go for a curry and at the end of it we'd go we haven't written anything we just had a really <laughs> nice time yeah. should we just go and do our usual sets up in Edinburgh and then we'll come back and we'll see if we want to do it elsewhere And we realised that actually the bit we enjoyed more than any other bit was not the performing, it was the curry. So the curry's carried on and uh, we now get (laughs) to go together. And we used to go to the absolute, we'd go to like, you know, the worst curry houses we could find. Mm. You know, like if if a curry house had an enormous mural on the wall of the Queen, we'd be like, (laughs) right, we're going in there. Absolutely. That's the place for us. We'd go into that place, and we'd all be, you know, we'd be texting each other at you know, sort of midnight, going, "Does anyone else feel awful?" You know, <laughs> <laughs> did anyone sleep last night?
0: Out of interest, I'm going to ask you because I did this with it. I spent, I still do it with a group of people, and we've been doing it for, oh my god, we've been doing it for forty years. Oh wow, that's the dream. Yeah, it's fantastic. But we always order the same food. Do you? Um, we look through the menu and go, oh, look at that. Oh, that's, oh, wow, look, oh, they've got a lamb thingy-bob. Oh, I wonder what that is. That's good And then the people come along and they say, what would you like? And I go, uh, a chicken biryani, please. And absolutely without fail. And then somebody at the end says do you have any cucumber writer? And then we all go under our breaths. Cucumber Cumber
3: writer. We've been doing that for 40 years.
0: God, how dull are we?
3: No, but that's that's exactly it. That's what I, I love about this. Um, we don't have the same curry every time because we try and mix it up to different curry houses, mm. but we do tell all the same stories, all the same <laughs> jokes, all the same stories. And I come back from the, the, the curry and my wife will say, how's Joe? How's, you know, how's his wife? And I'll say, I don't know. Yeah. We just didn't talk about that. And it's like, (laughs) Oh, how's Al? Is Al seeing anybody? No idea. (laughs) <laughs> absolutely no I couldn't I couldn't tell you because we tell stories basically about the you know the the first four or five years of us all doing stand-up mm. so we tell all the same stories to each other you know Joe will say <laughs> oh did not even no, not even tell that one but just he'll say a word and then we'll know oh well, we're going to hear this story again we're going and we're, t- we're not telling it to him. there's no new person who gets brought in at any point no. we're just telling the story that all of us know any one of us could tell it we all live through it but we tell these tell these
0: stories I just admire the additions. That was nice, yeah. I like that yeah. little twist you put it's in. Getting, there.
3: Very good. Oh, that would suggest we were, we were getting better, which you know we never we never do. We never no embellishments. Exactly as we you know the way we wrote it back in two thousand six. That's where we're doing it. Um, but also, it'll it'll always start with Arnold will inevitably not be the first person there. So there'll be a few people in the pub, and he will show up, and he'll come over to the table as if he, he um recognizes us. So that'll be his, and he'll come over and he'll go. Sorry, I've just got to ask, are you guys stand-ups? And also, basically, none of us do stand-up anymore. It's so <laughs> all no. like, we've all done it, but none of us really do it anymore. And he goes, guys, are you guys stand-ups? Because I'm a stand-up as well. And like, that'll be his... And every single time, it always makes us laugh. And, you know... <laughs> but I, I, I love that. I love... And in a way, it is in itself a time capsule. Mm. Because we are just behaving exactly as we did the first time we sat down to try and write this stupid show in 2006. All the same characters, you know, very, very rarely do we talk about something new. Occasionally there'll be a bit of, you know, gossip from the circuit that we'll we'll talk about, <laughs> but not really. Mainly no. it's just telling, you know, stories about bad laughing horse gigs mm. from, you know, 2007, which I love. I love it. So, yeah, so I, I would put the bucket curry in. Fantastic. The fact that it's called the bucket curry as well. <laughs> there's something just absolutely disgusting about the sound of it. Um, When's the next bucket curry? We've got to have a bucket <laughs> curry before Christmas. I mean, the, th- the reason we don't order the same thing is because we are still going through that period of life where we are starting to give things up and not. So, like, initially, um, the first thing that went was a load of us stopped eating meat. Right. Occasionally, someone will order like one meat thing, mm. but we kind of all share the curry. So it'll all be, there'll be no meat in there. And Joe doesn't drink anymore. So the booze has gone. And occasionally people go, yeah, if you're not drinking, I won't. It used to be like we used to get. So I remember we went to a curry house. It was a curry house. It's it's by Victoria Station. It's downstairs in quite a sort of, one of those hotels that you go, this, this looks incredibly posh if you don't live in London. Huge expensive to stay in, I imagine, but actually looks quite naff there was a curry house below there and we went there once and it was so bad. It was awful and really expensive, really expensive (laughs) and the food was terrible. But we drank so much during the night that a couple of months later, we went, where should we go again? We all went, Oh, that place was nice. Wasn't it? We completely forgot it. And it was only once we sat down and we started ordering and we said, Oh, do you do poppers? No, we don't do poppers. We do this other thing, which is a bit like poppers. that isn't poppers. And we were like, Oh no, we've come back to the same
0: place. <laughs> this is that terrible place. That was absolutely
3: <laughs> appalling, yeah.
0: Yeah, the place that thinks it's posh Yeah. and thinks they can charge you a lot of money. Yeah, but any hotel that basically has a curry house underneath it, it's not the Savoy,
3: is it? No. No. <laughs> but, but, you know, we should have realised that the first time. The second yeah. time, I don't know what we were thinking. <laughs> But no, I I adore those guys and I love hanging out with them. And um, yeah, and, and, and so it is nice to catch up. It is sort of seeing where they're at without ever learning anything about them.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but we're all jealous of you. The whole listenership are all going, I wish I went to Bucket Curries.
3: How fantastic. I don't know. It's incredibly boring if you don't know a sort of five or six people who did a lot of laughing horse gigs. Yeah, but the first time you go, these are great stories. These are amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the longest running show in town. It's basically it's been going as long as the mousetrap, really. It's just, you know, never changed a word. Uh, brilliant. Same cast, everything. Oh, I've just said brilliant. Finally, I've
0: said it. At last. Oh, well done. No, I think yeah. I think
3: you deserve it. You've earned it. No, but that is brilliant. That's a
0: brilliant thing to put in. Well done. All right, so all we've got to do is put in something that you'd like to forget, really.
3: Yes. Mm. Now, we talked about decaf coffee, mm. so this is kind of adjacent to that. The thing I want to get rid of is making someone else a cup of tea. <laughs> Every aspect of that I don't care for. I'm not a tea drinker myself. Also, I think there's this real sort of thing with people who drink coffee, coffee culture of coffee snobbery. People talk about coffee snobbery. It's an accepted trope. Mm. In my experience, there is way more tea snobbery. And I think tea <laughs> is much, much easier to get wrong yeah. for a person. First time I ha- I ever made a cup of tea for Ellis James. You know Ellis, don't you? You know Ellis James. Mm. Yeah, yeah. He, he took one look at it. And he just said, well, let's just throw this away, shall we? And poured the whole thing down the sink because it wasn't strong enough. It wasn't, I mean, I, I don't drink tea anymore. It wasn't Welsh enough. That's what it he was saying. It wasn't Welsh enough. Exactly. No. It wasn't, mm. it didn't have that David Dickinson complexion <laughs> that he he craved from a cup of tea. And, you know, it couldn't, I was like, we stick an extra bag in. He's like, no, it's going down the sink. You know, obviously my, my drink of choice is One spoon, some hot water, done. You can't mess it up, right? No. The measurement is a teaspoon. The water is just as much as will fit in the mug. You can't get it wrong. There's no, the colour is always the same. (laughs) Whereas a tea, you know, you need a Dulux colour chart to work out what it is that people want from their tea. Also, increasingly now, a lot of my social interactions are kind of like play dates, Right. right, play yeah. dates with other parents, people I don't know that well, but we happen to have kids exactly the same age. Mm. And my wife and I will invite these people around and we'll make it very clear that this is a play date where the parents can have a glass of wine. Right? Yes. We'll make you know. I'll have a beer in my hand. She will have a glass of rose. Uh, what do you guys fancy? Inevitably, one of the parents will go. "Oh, well, can I just have a cup of tea? <sighs> you go. No, you can't because <laughs> a glass of wine I can do like that. Yes. Ready, it's done. It's sorted. <laughs> a cup of tea means me going away from the, the chat, going off into the kitchen. I've got to boil a kettle. <laughs> I've then got to work out how it is that you like it.
0: Yes. And probably get that wrong. Insult you by asking if you have sugar and get the yeah, reaction d- of, no, I
3: don't take sugar. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or oh. oh, here, sweet enough already. You know, all of that kind yeah. of nonsense. Now, do you have any flavoured teas? What? No, I've got a flavoured tea. It's flavoured like red
0: wine. Yes. <laughs> do you know the question that a lot of people ask and i have the faintest idea what they're talking about and it really it gets on my nerves enormously and i don't know why is people say do you have luarca tea oh i've never heard that what is luarca tea it, it's i don't know it's like a red bush that sort of thing it's right a, i think but i've got a friend who asks always asks "Do you have luarca
3: tea and i go no no i've got PG tips of, you know, I've got Sainsbury's tea. Do you know what? I have a feeling. You saying that has sent a little bit of a chill up my spine because I feel like that's the reaction I get quite a lot when I say, do you have decaf coffee? (laughs) I feel like it's not as posh. It's not as posh as Luwaka tea. But it's this, I, the way you became that character of going, no, if I said to someone, do you have decaf coffee? No, I actually carry my own decaf now. I'm very sensible. I've got a little child's beaker. <laughs> I've got a little child's, I took it away from one of my kids. That one of the beakers is just full of decaf coffee. And that's how I transport it around. I worked with a, with a, a writer and this is a very smart move as well. He carries an envelope full of chili flakes everywhere he goes he's got an envelope full of chili flakes because he's often you're often on set the food is not as flavorsome as you would like it to be mm-hmm. what can't be improved with a little sprinkle of chili flakes so he's and i don't know why he keeps it in an envelope i don't know why he can't keep a <laughs> little tiny jar of chili flakes but it's an envelope so that's what it is and he takes his envelope out and he sprinkles his chili flakes on he folds his envelope back up and puts it almost like a sort of wrap of drugs i guess it will be <laughs> you know, like, uh,
0: <laughs> like, just straight in i'll just snort it it's right. <laughs> exactly yeah that'll get me through the afternoon but, um, but tea is a minefield i think i can't stand a minefield. it everybody has it a slightly different way some people can not put the i know people some people say put the milk in first you go but then the tea won't come out of the tea bag properly or then my wife has tea where she says just touch the water with the tea so you put it in straight out oh and i Every time I do it, I think I wonder if I ought to keep this tea bag because it's basically reusable. It's not been used
3: at all, yeah. And but it's a tiny, tiny amount, almost just colour the water. So she's almost drinking hot water herself, and she's exactly. almost having. She's... Has she tried half hot, half cold? She might love it. I, I'm going to suggest it. <laughs> you've definitely got to get her onto the half hot, half cold. <laughs> um, the other thing as well is I am always delighted when a, a tradesperson comes around the house or someone you know handyman or whatever. If they say no. I'm delighted. <laughs> I always ask. Of course I ask. Yes. But I just, I don't, I, I just can't be bothered. You know, I've got my day to get on with. You've got your day to get on with. Mm. You can survive without a cup of tea, can't you? I mean, I, 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 I've heard this from friends who, who work in that world, that if you don't offer, they'll either do a bad job or charge you a bit more or whatever or, you know. Right. So I think it's, wor- it's obviously worth doing. So I always offer, but I'm always gutted when they go, yeah, well, a tea would be lovely. Lovely. Uh, he takes his without sugar. Me, yeah. You haven't got any oatmeal, have you? Oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, mm. we, you know, we do have all this sort of variety of different non-dairy milks. Because we've got very little kids, we've got yeah. lots of milk and lots of, because we're, you know, poshos, we've got non-dairy milks ourselves. But, <laughs> but Not that but either yeah. of you use it. No, I mean, I, I barely I, I barely use it at all, yeah. Yeah, it's one there. is water
0: with a couple of granules, another one is water with water. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. Oh, our insides are so pure. That's not true. My wife does drink a lot of coffee with oat milk, actually. But, uh, but still, I can't stand it. I'm always delighted. When we, we were having our house painted during COVID... And um, the painters were absolutely brilliant. The the company we use were absolutely fantastic because they had all their own stuff. They were like, because it's COVID, we can't be asking you to make us a cup of tea. So they, they would show up, they would have their own kettle, they'd have their own tea bags, they'd bring bottled water to make the tea with. And um, it was great. I just loved it. So I didn't even have to keep popping down during the day to go, oh, you're all right, guys, Do you need anything, you know? They were just—they were all sorted, and mm. I'm not—you know—if they said, "Oh yeah, just make make me a black decaf coffee," I'd be fine with it, and not just—it's <laughs> my drink. They all said, "Oh, just yeah, just instant coffee's fine. We'll have instant coffee. That's great." Something about tea—it's a—it re- <laughs> takes a while as well. It's just a faff, and I can't be bothered with it.
0: Yeah, we've never really lost a tea
3: ceremony, have we? No. Which I—I I, totally—you know—if you're going to sit down and have a high tea, mm. I went for a high tea recently. I—I I loved it. It was fantastic. But that's. Did I love the tea as much as I loved the glass of champagne and the cakes? No. But I enjoyed the fact that it was – we had the time. It's something yeah. about – that. yeah, it's, it, I think that's what it is. It's something about the time it takes. It feels like it's a waste of time. <laughs> All you're going to get at the end of it is a cup of tea.
0: Especially when it keeps you away from the wine. <laughs> Absolutely. Just uh, have a glass of
3: wine, for goodness sake. We've got safe. non-alcoholic beer. Have a non-alcoholic beer. I'm not asking you to get hammered. We're, we're looking after kids. I'm just saying – view the mood of the room right? If I'm drinking a beer and my wife's drinking a beer then just have a beer, have a glass of wine just stop being such a square, be a bit more groovy Come on You know, this is brilliant This could be wicked Come on, it's just wicked (laughs)
0: Fantastic Well, I have had a really groovy time It's been, wow, it's been brilliant and uh, it's been lovely to talk to you
3: It's been absolutely wicked. Thanks, Mike.
0: (laughs) You have been listening to My Time Capsule with me, Mike Fenton-Stevens, and my guest, Matthew Crosby. I had fun, so I hope you had a similar experience. If you did, then it might be a good idea to subscribe to this podcast, possibly on ACAST Plus, where for a small monthly fee, you'll get the podcast without ads, or just click on subscribe, and the podcast provider you like best will send you all new episodes as they're released. Right, before we part, could I ask you to favour us with a rating? Hopefully five stars and maybe a short review to let others know how much you enjoyed it and what they might expect. If they listen, you can follow me and my time capsule on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And particularly on Twitter, feel free to contact us about anything, especially me apart from quantum physics. That is, which I have to admit is not my strong suit armor. That's a strong suit. The theme music was written by past the peas music and is available to download or stream on Spotify, And this was a cast-off production for Acast, produced by the enviably talented John Fenton Stevens. My name is the same as it was earlier, and I'll be back with some more guests, more chat, and more things to go in a time capsule very soon. In the meantime, I've got to dig a hole to put Matthew's one in. And as Cecily Cardew says to Gwendolyn Fairfax in the importance of being earnest by the great Oscar Wilde, when I see a spade, I call it a spade. To which Gwendolyn replies... I'm glad to say, I've never played cards. Or something like that. I'll look it up. Bye!
1: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods,